listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and I am joined today by Brian Goldmark. Brian is the head of sales at Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So Brian, I don't even know how long we've known each other, but I feel like we both have been running around in this podcast ad space for so long. How long have you been in the podcast industry now? Um, I'd, I think it's about seven years now. Gosh. It feels like a lifetime. Doesn't it? Podcast space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming um, in January. It'll be eight years for me. And I'm like, that feels like a really long time. It doesn't, it feels like I just started like, I don't know, a year ago, <laughs> but it, but it's been eight years. So it it's is crazy. Yeah. I think we first met at podcast movement in maybe Philly. Yes. That sounds right. Way back, way, way back, back, way six back. cities ago. You know, I know. So, uh, That's how crazy. you keep track of how long you've been yeah. in the podcast industry. Back, all the different locations. That's right. Podcast movement better not ever be in the same location no. or else we're all going to be in trouble. As long as it's at the Gaylord though. That's that's the the one consistency. That's the one requirement. Okay. So one of the things that really struck me as really kind of interesting about your career is you've been in podcasts, as you said, for like seven years. But before that, you have a really rich background in the media space. So tell us a little bit about what drew you to that. And it looks to me like specifically in ad sales and it seems like a lot of people kind of just stumble into ad sales, like, oh yeah, I just kind of got here and I didn't really intend to be there, but it looks like your career has been more intentional. Maybe I'm wrong, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I like to joke that I was born in a radio station. Um, My dad was the general manager of some really legendary radio stations across the country in Boston, New York, Atlanta, San Francisco, Miami. And then when he he moved us to Sacramento to be the general manager of a cluster of uh, radio stations here in Sacramento at the time, they were easy telecommunications at the time. But so I, I've I've been exposed to broadcasting my whole life, and I was always fascinated with advertising. I I, I knew that this is kind of the space that I wanted to be in when I was maybe seven or eight. So wow. uh, sales was always my thing too. I was sold Cutco, the knives. I saw that on your LinkedIn. I mean, if you can sell Cutco, Brian. Door to door. So Cutco is a great product, but it it is is a great product. But um, as soon as, you know, and I got into college and I had an opportunity to start interning in the media space, um, that's exactly where I wanted to be. That's awesome. So then what, what attracted you to podcasting? How did you end up there? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I was a listener, which is, which is a big part of it really being, you know, I always, I always say you, you shouldn't sell something that you don't love. Um, uh, you know, I, I had been recruited for medical sales and so many things throughout my career. And it's just not something I'm passionate about. It's not mm-hmm. something that I know as intimately. Um, I was working at cats at the time and, uh, sold radio. I got into radio, of course, following that path. Um, I moved to New York. My father was from Brooklyn. So I was very much kind of following in his footsteps in that regard. But there was an opportunity at Westwood One. I was national sales manager for Westwood One at Cats Media. And uh, Ryan Forbes went over to Westwood One to be the president of sales. And he got an opportunity for me to come over there and take over as the digital sales manager 
for the podcast division, uh, which really gave me the first opportunity to dedicate my time to podcasting. But but prior to that, I was, you know, while I was selling radio, that was my job at Cats. They had a podcast product, Podcats, and they were, they had the Spotify business. And any chance I got, I was really focused on developing business in that digital audio space. That's where I really wanted to be. Um, I saw kind of the innovation of our industry taking place. And I think it's a rare opportunity that you get to be at the forefront of innovation in a, you know, historically traditional media channel. Mm-hmm. You don't I, see that very often. I know. I, I love the way that you describe that because for me, I feel like that has been a big attraction as well. Uh, I started my career in radio ad sales and there's just something that is very nostalgic about radio that I think will always exist in some form. And, and it, ultimately, in my opinion, boils down to the spoken word that we all love that human connection that is just talking, right? Uh, it's yeah. that, that form of communication. And for me, it's, it's kind of like the difference between, you know, like when we were, were growing up and, or I don't know, you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am where you would have to be like, oh, okay, well, I know friends is on Thursday night at eight 30 and I have to be home at eight 30 if I want to watch friends this week. And I feel like in some ways I used to be a big talk radio fan and, you know, you, there were certain times if you wanted to listen to the, you know, like I used to listen to the Clark Howard show or like the Laura Schlesinger show years ago when I drove around and sold radio ads. And like you had to listen during certain times if you wanted to hear those programs and with podcast, just having that control, it feels so much, it feels so reminiscent of radio and yet so different. And it, it just feels like the creative space is so much more open. The opportunity for consumption is so much more open. So those are the things that really attracted me to it. It sounds like you were attracted in a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you think about it. I, I am the same way, right? I even think of some like a program, just like war of the roses on my favorite radio station. You know, I'd want to make sure I'd catch it in the morning. I'd end <laughs> up being late to my first class because I would sit in the car and like want to listen to the segment. But I think that's, that's kind of what's old is new again, I think is happening universally, right? Mm-hmm. All the trends from the nineties are now what's hot again. And I think that, you know, we continue to see this reemergence of audio um, being a, a, a really sought after media space. And I think it just became overlooked for a while. It's never that it wasn't working. It's just people were distracted. Advertisers were distracted mm-hmm. with what's new and what's hot. And y- you know, that, that product that was always there, that always worked is just kind of having its second coming. And it's great to be a part of that with radio. Um, but, but with podcasting, it's just that it's that new version. It's, it's that, you know, 2.0 radio. That's always going to be a compliment, I think to radio, but we take a lot of what we, what has been successful for podcasting from radio, even just a post red ad, right. You know, in radio, there was nothing more valuable than than getting the morning show DJ to do your ad read. And that's just that's just a compliment to how podcasting has kind of formatted itself. Yeah, yeah, it is. And 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 we can get into this more as as our conversation progresses here, but it is really interesting to see how there are still obviously like those DJ red ads in radio, but those became less and less and 
So I think kind of in podcasting, we're all holding our breaths a bit going, Ooh, when is the host red ad going to go away? Is that something that's going to hopefully gonna never stick with us? I agree. <laughs> I like, like my host reds. So when you think about all the different types of advertising that you've sold, I mean, I know you've been in broadcast, but what makes podcasting stand out? What, what's great about podcast advertising? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, just, just how, how different it can be. There's so many different ways to, to approach podcast advertising. Mm -hmm. You know, you say, I hope host red ads never go, go away, but there's a time and a place I think for all different ad formats in mm -hmm. podcasting. Um, host red ads have a huge value, you know, whether it's that really true personal endorsement from host listener uh, or the creative flexibility that a host has to do host red ads, the ability to tap into uh, extended audiences like on YouTube, which is something we should totally talk about. Um, but there's nothing wrong with dynamically inserted ads either. If used correctly, programmatic even has a place, I think, in the space. Um, you know, that's kind of part of Lockdown's philosophy is, is looking at the different types of ad creatives that are available and leveraging leveraging them all uniquely based on the client's needs. Mm -hmm. uh, we do something really cool at Locked On for geo-targeted ads, right? Uh, instead of just taking a standard pre-produced ad and running it dynamically, geo-targeted to the market, we'll, we'll actually tap local hosts. The way that our network is structured, over 200 podcasts, predominantly focused on having a podcast for every team, in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and college sports, mm. what we can do is lean into whatever league we want to be a part of. Right now, um, NFL is in full season. So if we're thinking, uh, so is NBA, so is everything right now. It's an exciting time for sports. Um, <laughs> but everybody's talking about the NFL right now. And if we were targeting a market like LA and San Francisco, we could tap the host of Locked On Rams to record the spot that's targeted to LA and we could tap the host of locked on 49ers to record the spot that airs in San Francisco. So that way we're really creating still an authentic spot that's organic to the, the, the network that they're listening to, right. Locked mm -hmm. on. Um, but it's also really native to the market that they're hearing it in. So there's just so many different tactics to take with, with podcast advertising. Mm -hmm. And there's so much flexibility, I think with, with how you can approach it. We do a lot of branded content, which will speak to, you know, things that you talk about often about is podcast advertising native, uh, native advertising. And, and I think that that's really the beauty of podcast advertising is it's how native it can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, I wanna dig in a little bit more to Locked On because I do think that your network has a different approach to podcasting than a lot of networks do. And I won't lie, I don't totally understand exactly how it's structured. So as far as I understand, like you said, you kind of have these umbrellas of these different sports categories, but then under those categories, you're reaching into specific teams. But how, like, how is the listening experience? Like, am I subscribing and listening to a Rams podcast versus like, you know, another team, like a 49ers podcast? Like, how does, how does that work exactly? Yeah, it's, it is super unique. And every time I talk to a new advertiser, I, I have to, you know, they're like, send me your top three shows, you know, and it's like, that's not really how it works at Locked On. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's this really you know beautiful integration for both the listener as well as an advertiser. Um, for the listener, yes, you're subscribing to the Locked On Kings Sacramento Kings podcast, right? And to me, as the listener, it's the Locked On Kings podcast. And sometimes listeners don't even realize that it's a part of a much larger network, sure. even though we tell them about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for the advertiser, they're able to activate, they, they activate with us at the network level. So an advertiser doesn't just buy the Locked On Kings podcast. Um, they buy the Locked On NBA network. Okay. And they get activations on every single podcast within the NBA network. And to the listener, it's a one-to-one host-read ad authentic to the podcast that they're listening to and their listening experience. But the advertiser is able to activate nationally. We like to say it's national activation with local creative, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just a really unique way to tap into the podcast space. Mm -hmm. I think it's so genius, especially when you talk about sports, because I know at True Native, when we have tried to recruit sports shows so often, it's like, we just reach Arizona or we just reach Wisconsin or whatever. It's like a team that is so focused to this one specific area that we're always really questioning whether it makes sense to represent that show because most advertisers and podcasts really are approaching it from a national basis because oftentimes in podcasting really most of the time in podcasting you are reaching everyone who listens across the country and even the world many times now of course as you mentioned you can do geo-targeting um, sometimes but it depends on the size of the shows if you you know you're not going to geo-target one small dma like that wouldn't make sense right it has to be a big enough area in order to do that targeting and a big enough listening audience to do that targeting so the way that you've created those buckets seems like it's really smart and it's probably really great for the advertisers as well yeah you know our value really comes in the power of the collective Right. You know, uh, all of our shows, all and and we can target a smaller market because mm-hmm. we leverage the we leverage the power of all two hundred plus locked on podcasts, and mm-hmm. we could be targeting you know Abilene, Texas. When what we'll, you could be a you could be a New Yorker that moved to Abilene and you're listening to the Locked On Yankees podcast, you know, and we're able to reach you there when you're listening in real time. But y- it is the power of the collective that brings so much value and. And, you know, you think, should I represent a smaller local show? Well, that's really, again, the power of the collective with Locked On. We have all of these truly local shows, mm-hmm. but together they form one of the most powerful sports podcast platforms in the space. Our, our NFL network, I've kind of done some back end math looking at the top 20 podcasts and based on audience size on a show to show basis, our NFL network collectively is a top 20 podcast in the country. Wow. Um, and so it's just the the reach overall is is incredible mm-hmm. and it allows us to really support those independent podcasters, you know, that are really I just want to talk about the Arizona Wildcats. Um, <laughs> right. how can I be successful just talking about the Arizona Wildcats? Well, you can be successful because you're part of the Locked On College Podcast Network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. It's fun. So- it's a it's an awesome way to support all of those independent creators uh, and also support the success of our company. 
Yes, absolutely. And that for me, that's always one of the challenging parts about podcasting, right? Is yeah, there are mega shows. And I think advertising on mega shows is great. And we all love them. They're what anchor the industry. But then there are so many independent content creators that are are really reaching these terrific marks of people and the engagement level is so high. But then when it comes to execution, it's really difficult, right? Because, yeah. and that's when we talk so much in podcast about scaling, it's like, okay, well, gosh, this, this one little buy worked really well, but how do I take that and multiply it? You know, a hundred so cumbersome. It's so cumbersome, so cumbersome. on, on the, the agency or the advertiser to source, you know, again, we think of our NFL network, it's 38 podcasts to, to source 38 podcast, you don't want you don't want eight different publishers and 38 different onboarding calls and invoices and it, it's it can be a nightmare. So for for us, we we like to just make it as easy as easy for an advertiser as possible mm-hmm. to activate with those micro communities of of fans for specific teams, but they're able to just do so kind of at the the highest level of of activating at the NFL network. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. It's I love really, it. It's a really unique thing that our, our founder built. Um, yeah. I was excited to be, get to be a part of it about maybe four years ago. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So you use the D word. So I have to to come back and, and talk about it. Um, dynamic ad insertion. I feel like the topic <laughs> of dynamic ad insertion is never going to die. And it's always going to be on our lips in the podcast industry. Uh, So, you know, obviously dynamic ad insertion is taking an ad and distributing it over multiple episodes as opposed to that baked in ad in one episode. Feel like, like I said, I feel like it's, it's the wild child that does not die when it comes to conversation. I was, I was listening back. Um, one of the last episodes I made was predictions that my guests had made over the last year. And okay. one of my guests said that they predicted that within the next six months that everything would, would be, you know, taken care of with dynamic ad insertion. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And that prediction was wrong. It's been more than six months and we're still talking <laughs> about it. So what is your take on dynamic ad insertion? Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of referencing back to what I said earlier of like, there's a time and a place, mm-hmm. right? There's benefits to it. There's also hurdles to using it, right? Um, for some advertisers, you know, financial or insurance advertisers, like they have to know, they have to own the message. They have to make sure that it's being said correctly. And that's where a pre-produced ad can be really valuable. Tracking is, Mm -hmm. you know, a huge part of that as well. If, if an advertiser needs to make sure that they can measure every impression and they can like, you know, have, have such a micro level of reporting, um, that's important too. Mm -hmm. If an advertiser can trust the podcast space in its truest form, which is, just that organic, like live read advertising, that's where you can really kind of soar in the podcast space. I think the biggest challenge with dynamic ad insertion is it's now excluding the fastest growing platform for podcast listening, which is YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that's a big challenge for podcasters that continue to lean into YouTube, which is a tremendous space that locked on leans into heavily. Um, Mm -hmm. We were acquired by Tegna, which is the largest Mm -hmm. television affiliate network in the country. And they've really helped us lean into video. Great. Uh, We are on OTT. We've just launched fast TV channels in four major markets like LA, 
Cleveland and, and uh, some other major sports markets mm-hmm. uh, where we're like a 24 seven TV channel. So video is really important to us, but you know, with YouTube, it presents its challenges with measurement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. We're growing, you know, you grow an audience on YouTube. You have this tremendous platform dynamic ad insertion kind of excludes those listeners. And why do you want to exclude listeners unless there's a, unless there's a true need for it? Like, what do you mean? How like does it creative exclude? control or geo geo targeting? Yeah. What do you mean by excluding listeners? How does it exclude? You can't run a dynamically inserted ad, um, in a YouTube ad break. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, so, so you miss, you miss that whole audience on yeah. YouTube. You miss the ability for product placement or, uh, you know, visual overlays that we do that are really valuable that bring, that bring the brand front and center visually, um, that that's a a benefit to the layer on top of the ad read. There's so much value to it, but dynamic ad insertion excludes those pieces. Um, but again, there's, there's value to dynamic ad insertion as well. Mm -hmm. You need a geo target we can do that. You know, that's, that's the value of dynamic ad insertion. Mm -hmm. So it's really, I I don't think one's worse than the other. It's just, it's just matter of preference and priority. Sure. Sure. So how, how I have tackled it is that in the podcast, we do dynamic ad insertion in the YouTube videos, we do baked in ads. So where the ad breaks would be, where they would put in the dynamically inserted ads in the podcast when they're producing, you know, they're, they're doing it in different segments, but like when they're producing the, um, the video, they put in a host read for that product. Have you guys ever taken, or, or I guess, are you just totally simulcasting your podcast? Totally, totally simulcast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Totally simulcast. So it's really one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But again, again, it works, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever, whatever, the, whatever the client's needs are, that's what sure. we try to lean to. Sure. For us, there's no cookie cutter way, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a brand comes to us and that's my, that's my favorite part of this job. You know, I, I, I'm in sales, my head of sales. I wish marketing could be in there. I mean, it's my dream. It's funny. Yes. My, yes. My parents, when I was like 11 years old, I said, I wanted to own an agency, a media agency. Oh, that really? was, That's I didn't awesome. want to be a race car driver or an astronaut. You know, <laughs> I wanted to own a media an ad agency and like oh, come God. up with ideas. You know, I'm, I'm always coming up with brand slogans and catchphrases and, and creative integrations that really take a brand's message. Mm-hmm. And, and I say, how can we make this, how can we make this product feel really organic to our content? And, and that's the best when a client, when a client trusts you, trust the podcaster, the publisher to say, you know, let me help you. Let me help you do this the right way. Um, Sometimes you need to back into their, their goals. Like, you know, um, but when you have that, that trust and that flexibility and that, that really deep partnership, um, that's when podcast advertising, I think flourishes at its finest. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to me, you mentioned native before, but it, that just, that gets down into the root of all of it. Right. Which I feel like I, I feel like if you listen to this show on a regular basis, you've heard me say this like 2000 times, but the reality is, is that people want to buy products and services. And if you, as the content creator, introduce a really cool product in a really integrated way, 
people are going to pay attention. And there's so much value in that. And that's where you see real traction. And, you know, when we look at so many forms of advertising, it feels like we're being shouted at, but when you're already there listening to somebody and they recommend a product, it doesn't feel the same way. It's still an ad. Everybody knows it's still an ad. Some people fast forward through the ads, right? But it, it is a step above traditional, you know, traditional forms of advertising, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of the onus of the publisher and the agency, mm-hmm. right. To say, I mean, that's what we do, right. That's, that's what you do of finding recommendations for an advertiser of mm-hmm. saying, Hey, this show <laughs> makes sense. You know, when I was back at Westwood one and I had really a, a wide variety of podcast formats under my belt, it was really helpful to be able to say, you know, I can go to a podcaster and say, what do you think of this product? And, Mm -hmm. you know, being in sales, it'd be like a little disappointing when a podcaster would say, I don't want it. No, Mm -hmm. thank you. But don't you, it's, it's an ad. Don't you want us to sell the show? But at the same time, they were being really true to themselves and to their listeners. And they, they wouldn't endorse a product that didn't truly makes sense for them. And that's where the listener has so much trust in the host to say, Mm -hmm. they're only going to tell me about a product or service that they trust. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can just blindly almost trust that product too, because they've already done that vetting process for me. And so, you know, that's, that's just why it's been, that's why it's been so successful. And I think that we just need to stay true to that. Right. Um, Right. It's not always about following the money. Sometimes it's about following what what's right for the listener and for the advertiser. Right. And it's, it's about connection. I think mm-hmm. that as human beings, we crave connection and being able to feel like you're connecting with your audience and you're connecting with the product really is, is very helpful. And I think the only people that really know this to their core are ad salespeople in the podcast space. It is the weirdest experience coming from radio ad sales and newspaper ad sales. If somebody walked in with money and said they wanted to buy an ad, we would say, great, <laughs> let us take that money and run your ad. Lots and lots. Yes, <laughs> but it is true that podcasters turn down advertisers mm-hmm. all the time. And I am in the same boat as you. I'm always dumbfounded. I'm like, wait, I thought you wanted us to sell you ads. Like what is wrong with this, this product? And sometimes they come up with the strangest things, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, what do you mean? Like that, you know, it's like, they'll find something in like their terms of service or something and say, they only do business in Florida and I don't like Florida. So I'm not advertising this product or whatever. <laughs> it's only, it only gets really frustrating when they've turned down half a dozen advertisers and then they come and they say, why aren't you selling my show? I know, <laughs> which happens all the time. But um, hey, that's our job, right? We find, exactly. we find what works for them but, and eventually we'll find a fit. And when you exactly. find that fit, it will just be so successful right. for the advertiser right. and for the host and for the listeners. And so that's kind of, you just wait until you find um, the square that fits in a square hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally true. But that it, the, it is, it is true that podcasters do run ads for products that they believe in. Right. So I, I think that from a listener perspective and even from an advertiser perspective, it's important to know that your product is vetted and that that host really does want to promote the product. And 
that's where the authenticity comes in. That's where the native nature of it comes in. I'm curious, uh, what podcast, what podcast you listen to the most? What's an ad that, that you were, that you heard one time that you just like had to buy? <laughs> what a great question, Brian. <laughs> so I, I, gosh, so I really, the Noah Kagan show is like my favorite show. Okay. And he, everybody has one that's like, I, their show. I love Noah Kagan. He's hilarious. And it's a business show. And he interviews like business people. And I love that. But he does not run ads. Although no. the other day, he did make a spoof ad for athletic greens. And I was like, what is he running athletic greens? But he was just joking. <laughs> oh, so but yeah, I, I think um, yeah, not like nothing comes to mind for me necessarily where I'm like, oh, this product was like a podcast product. How about you? Um, I listen to like a few, I'm like diehard listener for a few shows. Uh -huh. uh, Locked on Kings, Locked on Sacramento Kings and Locked on 49ers. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> and then there's one that's been like my top rotation for six or seven years now. Uh, it's gone through so many iterations of what the title is because it's it was acquired and then they went independent again. Oh, uh, now it's called the best one yet. It oh. was originally Market Snacks Daily. Then it was Robin Hood Snacks. It was acquired by Robin Hood. It's a daily financial oh. news podcast. And that like that's my I think that they just do a great job. It's a really well formatted show and it's really funny and informative and I think that they hit like all the benchmarks of how like a really good podcast mm -hmm. should be structured. Mm -hmm. um, and it's called the best one yet. Is that what you said? Now it's called T-Boy. The best T-Boy. T-Boy, the <laughs> best one yet. Uh, it's awesome. It's a great show. Um, funny. When I think of, man, the a product, a product that I bought, um, I actually, you know what? It was like a really high price product. I bought an e-bike. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, I was like, I had a hard time choosing the e-bike. And so I finally heard, I heard one years ago. And so I bought, I bought an e-bike, which was wow. like probably paid for the, the price of the product, probably paid for the entire ad campaign on the sure. podcast that I heard it for. Um, I've seen some really funny ones though, of like people buying products. One time when I was selling the Ben Shapiro show um, and the whole Daily Wire I had like an emergency food. Uh, oh, yes. Product. Like preppers. Preppers. Yes. And it was like a small buy that we got. And uh, on, I think it was like the Mike, not even the Michael Knoll show. It was, it was like the smallest one at the time. And uh, someone, some one person, I think stocked their entire doomsday shed. And they bought like $8,000 worth of product oh my <laughs> against like a $1,500 ad campaign. <laughs> I could never recreate that performance, unfortunately, you know, so it was like, it was doomed to fail after that, but talk about it today, but um, oh man, was know, the advertiser like, we're putting all of our money in podcast? Yeah, they renewed, you know, but unfortunately yeah. we could just never recreate that performance benchmark. They're, oh, they're, they're, their metrics were skewed forever. So how do you track results? Yeah, there's a, there's a variety of ways, um, you know, locked on is really agnostic when it comes to all attribution partners. Uh, we've worked with uh, pixel-based attribution partners you've never heard of, I feel like. <laughs> 
you know, and we, they've been coming out of the woodwork lately. I swear. yeah, you know, um, one thing that I'm really proud of about Locked On is our ability to attract brands. Yeah. Um, you know, when I came to Locked On, my my title was brand partnerships mm. uh, specifically, and my goal was not focused on direct response. It was focused on McDonald's and Pepsi and State Farm and Nissan. Mm -hmm. How do we get how do we get those blue chip brands to enter the podcast space? And um, we've done an amazing job. I think in the last, you know, since I came on four years ago, we've had all of those advertisers come on to our, our podcast and more. Mm -hmm. And the brands, those brands come in with pixels that you would have never thought of. McDonald's used a, a, a pixel called Placed. Uh, which actually tracks in-store foot traffic, which I didn't even know before that podcasting could track, um, wow. you know, but so we'll layer in, you know, every pixel attribution that we can. Um, promo codes, I think, are still a staple. Um, mm -hmm. They're an important addition. I think that there needs to be this balance. Advertisers that just use one or the other aren't really capturing the entire... Agreed. Um, the entire picture of performance podcast redemption codes, we all know are like doomed to be the single benchmark for success. Pixel-based attribution has its pitfalls. Like I talked about with YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and so this blend is really valuable. And then again, because we worked with, we work with so many brands, um, brand studies are really valuable for our advertisers as well. And we work with Signal Hill and Coleman Insights to develop really integrated brand uh, brand lifts and brand mm -hmm. awareness studies to measure things like brand consideration, purchase intent, message association, likability, you know, all, all of those things that I think are often overlooked within the direct response advertising yes. space. Christina Rubio was just talking about this. She called herself a reformed brand marketer. Um, you know, talking about how direct response, if you're just measuring the success of coupon code redemptions or site traffic, you're not really paying attention to the overall brand lift that you get within the podcast ad space. You know, historical benchmark for radio was that a uh, uh, listener has to hear an ad 3.8 times before they're converted to action, mm -hmm. right? And podcast advertisers uh, got in their heads that like, I should be able to run one ad and be able to determine success. Yes. Like I've seen cancels before after like two yep. spots run. Yep. And it's like, what are you talking about? There's frequency over time. Building trust mm -hmm. is really important. A, a client that I'm working with right now that's competing in a space that has historically been dominated by other like major, major advertisers in that category, uh, one of the major KPIs that we're focusing on is trust. Mm -hmm. And trust doesn't happen overnight. No. And so, you know, we measure in a lot of different ways at Lockdown and with our advertisers. And I'm grateful that our advertisers kind of trust the process with mm -hmm. Lockdown and trust mm -hmm. the data that we can get. And they're not so quick to react to saying, uh, two spot test didn't work. Cancel. Never going to talk to you again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah so absolutely. I, I recently had a guest on from a newer agency that's entering this space and they do media buying across lots of different platforms. And it was really fascinating to me 
to hear about how running podcast ads was helping their other channels perform at much higher levels. And I do think that that is, I, I was so excited to hear her talk about it just simply because I really feel like we are looking at podcast ad performance under such like a myopic kind of, you know, microscope. Yeah, exactly. In a vacuum where we're like, okay, well, how is this? And, and I get, I get that, right. When you're investing in, in a campaign, you want to see its success, but as a marketer, you should be looking at the exposure that you're getting across multiple channels and your mm -hmm. entire overall media mix, not just podcast advertising. And, and we need to lean into the strengths of podcast ads. And granted, it's like, you know, I feel like I hear people talk about like, where's podcast advertising in the funnel? Is it top? Is it middle? Is it bottom? Like, where does it fall? And I think that it can fall into all of those places. Mm -hmm. It depends a lot on how you're structuring your campaign, how you're structuring your call to, to, to action, Absolutely. how your, what your product offering is right. And, and how it's playing into your overall messaging at that moment, right? If I have seen a social media ad, or if I've seen a TV ad, or if I've seen a YouTube ad, and then I hear a podcast ad, right? Like all of these things play together to create action. And I, I really believe that when we're able to look at it, from a broader perspective of the overall marketing mix that that yes of course results matter but how are how are all of these products all these different advertising channels playing together so yes. and it sounds like that's kind of what you're what you're speaking to and that's some of the experience you've had as well yeah absolutely it's it's you have to look at the whole picture mm -hmm. you know um uh, when uh, a brand study that we're working on with coleman insights right now we just had the a recap on it and we got to really dig into the data and it was just amazing to look at um this this creative that we were running absolutely kicked butt on message association hmm. right remembering the brand's like catchphrase almost mm -hmm. um because that's what that creative leaned into but it didn't perform as well against message association remembering some of the core kind of uh, concepts about what that product does and 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 how it can be beneficial to your you know consumer behavior on buying this product versus that product it performed worse but the other spot that didn't lean into as much of the catchphrase and talked more about the product benefits it didn't perform as well with message association but it performed really well against remembering things like why that product is so valuable and what you know what you could do with it and so looking at those two things and not saying, oh, this didn't work. And that mm -hmm. did work saying this worked for this reason. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's valuable to us. Mm -hmm. And that worked for that reason. And that's also valuable to us. And we can take the data collectively. And as a partnership, I think that that's one of the big challenges. It's always been a challenge in the media buyer publisher space is mm -hmm. a level of transparency and communication. When mm -hmm. I talk with any of my clients, I mean, they'll tell you, I, I lean into partnerships. I, I want to know, like, don't just tell me at the end of a campaign that it didn't work. You know, I want to know throughout. I want to know why, what can I do? Can we adjust? It's not just about like optimi optimization and cutting impressions here and moving them there. It's about, it's about creative cuts and, and, you know, what are we trying to achieve? 
And how do we get there? And what can we do to kind of adjust? And then let's look at the end product and result and make decisions from there. Educated mm -hmm. choices together mm -hmm. on how to improve this campaign in one way or the other. So it's really, you know, there's so many different ways to, to approach it. And I think that, I think that true partnerships between advertisers, agencies, and publishers, you know, when we all communicate and we work together, that's when we're going to see the greatest success, especially in the podcast space where you have such an opportunity to, to speak directly to mm -hmm. a consumer. Right. Cause it's so high touch, right? So if mm -hmm. we're not, I, I think if we're not entering the, uh, the planning with that high touch feel, then we are losing opportunity for sure. So, yeah. well, Brian, to wrap us up, I would love to hear what some of your predictions are for the industry. Any, any thoughts on what may be coming? I know we, we probably could have mm. talked more about YouTube. There's so much I think going on in that space, but what are your thoughts? What's, what's the future, huh? Um, I mean, for, for the industry, I'm thinking, I'm thinking for locked on right now, <laughs> uh, a little bit like that's where I'm a little bit more connected. Um, I love, I love that you are just so bought into locked on that like, I that's am, where I am. I love what know. we do here. I, I think what that. we do here is just so unique. And like, I, I get to connect with all of our hosts in such a unique way. Um, local is kind of the future for, for us. Nice. I love um, to hear that. I love that. Local. Really yeah. Yes. It's, it's, you know, podcasting has just, has like predominantly been a national product, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But because of the nature of the way that we're structured, um, you know, we're looking at ways to, to allow local advertisers to get into the podcast space a little bit more and like tapping into our LA podcast cluster and, and being able to speak with like the Lakers and the Rams and the Dodgers fans, you know, in LA and really finding ways for local advertisers to get into the space, I think is, I think is awesome for local businesses. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also, you know, we're always talking about how do we get to this? First, it was a billion dollars, $5 billion. How do we get to $10 billion in advertising? You know, and like programmatic became a huge part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, I think programmatic has its own place in like the lower funnel of podcast advertising priorities. Sure. Um, but, you know, local has this, you know, great opportunity to speak to local fans and, and kind of tap in in a unique way. And I think that there's a lot of revenue mm -hmm. available from local advertisers. <laughs> oh, so radio, much. radio station networks are built on the backs of local radio advertisers. And so I think that the next $2 billion in, in podcast advertising can come from local and um, I think Locked On is positioned in a really unique way to capitalize on that. And I wonder if the podcast space um, as a whole collectively can figure out uh, a way to, to further benefit local advertisers. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like that's something that we don't talk enough about as an industry. And I love the idea of, of going deeper there. And I think Locked On is just such a, a great idea. And it would be really interesting to see if if other other industries could create something that would be would be similar. So time will tell, right? Time will tell. Time will we'll tell. see what happens a year from I now, know. two years from now. It's really exciting. Well, Brian, if people want to connect with you, where's a good place for them to find you? I'm always on LinkedIn. It's always a tab available, Brian Goldmark. But shoot me an email, call my cell phone. I mean, it's I'm I'm 
I have a very fast response time. I was told by one of my clients the other day, no one gets back to you faster than me. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm available anywhere you can find me really. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. And thank you for listening. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as I have. It's fun to talk to somebody who is in the podcast ad sales space. If you are interested in learning more about podcast advertising, make sure in addition to listening to this podcast that you head on over to my YouTube channel, Heather Osgood on YouTube, where I create all kinds of fun videos about podcast advertising. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry. 